Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Most of you know me from the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. Do you enjoy the Hide and Seek podcast? Would you like to show your support? Head over to Apple iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and follow us so you never miss an episode. You can interact with us as well as share your thoughts, ideas, and theories on this season's episodes by joining the Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group. Find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. The following podcast may contain strong language and is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet dreams are made of this. 24-Hour News Aid's Brady Gillum went to Sturgis tonight to speak with the missing woman's mother about what may have happened to her daughter. I can tell you where she most likely is. I hadn't seen anybody that I felt comfortable saying anything to until today. The stories they tell are pretty They're pretty freaking gruesome. I kept all the text messages, Facebook messages, the messages between me and Brittany, I have all of them. I have everything. I told him, I said, I'll kill all them motherfuckers. And I was going to have my people fucking take care of it. I'll just say Brittany's name out of nowhere just to see what somebody says. Because this little town around here would be hard to hide something like that. Because eventually everything comes out. To me, some days I don't believe anything happened to her. I think she just left. This is Hide and Seek, Season 3. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys, this is part two of the second episode. I brought you guys to Michigan with me. We heard from Greg, Brittany's father. It was definitely one of my tougher interviews. Hearing the raw emotion and heartache in his voice is gut-wrenching. I think with Brittany's case, her name has been smeared through the mud, from conspiracy theories to actual struggle. Sometimes people lose sight or become desensitized when sharing personal details on social media. They're loose with the tongue, not realizing the damage they cause with one simple click. On the flip side, since releasing part one of episode two, I've seen a large number of people showing love and support towards Greg and the family. I just want to say thank you. Let's get back to Michigan. It's 7 a.m., but my body says it's 4 a.m. Ethan's getting the room set for my interview with Jessica. I'm making coffee and bacon in the makeshift kitchen of our Airbnb. We're staying in the basement of a two-story home. The homeowners are a lovely couple, and their kids are quite the characters. I kind of felt bad staying there. I felt like I was bringing this cloud of darkness into their home. Ethan and I were just about set when I get a text from Jessica. She wrote the following. Good morning. So, about my car. I don't have any brakes, at all. My boyfriend tried to fix it, but another guy put the power steering fluid in the brake fluid reservoir. Shaking my head. Anyway, I'm trying to borrow my girlfriend's vehicle, just waiting on her to get up. I replied, okay, keep me in the loop. A couple of hours go by. It's Jess. Hey, so what's your status? I reply, I just got done. 40 minutes later. About to leave. 30 minutes goes by. Do you have a vehicle? You there? Where do you live? Nothing. Jessica finally responds. Sorry, was trying to get a vehicle. 
I'm about to leave. I'm in Bronson. I call her immediately. The person you have called is unavailable. No right answer. Now. So I call again. The person you have called is unavailable right now. I call a third time. The person you have called is unavailable right now. I'm starting to get frustrated. I flew all this way. We had this meeting scheduled, and now Jessica seems to be ducking me. 20 minutes later, Jessica messages me back. Hey, I didn't hear the phone. Sorry. What's up? I asked her if she could take a call. She replies yes. I get her on the phone, and we push our interview to the following morning. Let's try this again. I got the coffee brewing and the bacon in the toaster oven. Round two. Ethan and I are preparing the room for when Jessica arrives. It's Jess. Hey, I've got a vehicle. On way to you. Sorry I couldn't answer earlier. I ended up working. I give her my address and continue setting up equipment. Finally, it feels like things are going as planned. It's Jess again. How about we meet at the Blue Gate restaurant first? Of course I say yes, but I'm wondering why this sudden change of plans. Aw, shit, the bacon. I send a quick text to the homeowners reassuring them that everything's fine, and Ethan and I hop in the car and head to the restaurant. What's funny about Sturgis, Michigan, is that there are so many eerie stories surrounding Britt's case. But when you drive in the heart of it, you'll find yourself crossing paths with the Amish community, horse-drawn carriages, or individuals riding their bikes to town. Though it is not the town that Brittany went missing from, it is where she lived with Sheldon at the time. It's hard to think something so horrible could happen in a town like this. Ethan and I arrive to the Blue Gate restaurant. I meet Jessica for the first time. She's brought her boyfriend with her. He goes by Loco. Jessica is petite, like Brittany. She seems a little nervous. She's wearing a summer dress with a flower pattern. As for Loco, his looks can be intimidating. He's full of tattoos. I know Loco spent some time in prison, and by the way he's built, it's obvious he spent time lifting while serving his time. He has a serious look on his face. We acknowledge each other. You can tell that he's sizing up the situation. He's wearing a hat with the brim pulled down low. Jessica shares with me that she felt a little uneasy showing up to someone's basement for our first meeting. I get that. Our conversation goes well and we head back for our interview. Watch that light. Watch that light. Sorry. You're good. No, you're good. Okay. Yeah, it's hot and sweaty. I don't want you to have a shiny face on, you know? That's bad, huh? Can I? You want? You can jump on that one over there if you want to just chill out. All right, cool. I got uh, a Coke or a Red Bull. You want one? I'll take a Red Bull. You want a Red Bull? In the first episode, you heard some voice messages between Jessica and Brittany. Listening to a mother and daughter talk to each other like that, it isn't easy. But was that all the relationship was? I sat down with Jessica to get a better understanding of the dynamics of her relationship with Brittany, the complexities, the ups and downs. I'm sitting with Jessica, Brittany Shank's mother. Talk to me about her when she was a little girl. She was definitely a challenge. <laughs> she had these big old chipmunk cheeks and this big old smile and these pretty, pretty eyes. She was funny. She made everybody laugh and she's a good kid. She definitely had her moments though where she threw a little temper tantrums and definitely had her own way of things. But when I talked to Greg yesterday, <clears throat> you know, 
I know growing up, you guys, there was partial, there was split custody or, or, mm -hmm. or, you know, she was with you or with her, with him. And it kind of sounds like she was strong-willed. She very much so. <laughs> if she's mad at mom, she's going to dad. If she's yeah. mad at dad, she's going to mom, you know. She's going to make it go her way, one way or the other. Yeah. You know? I know there's a point in time where when she would go back between your house, dad's house, mm -hmm. how often would you say that she lived with you in comparison to living with dad? She lived with dad more, especially when she was younger uh, than when she... I don't remember how old she was, seven, I think. More so, she started going back and forth, back and forth. And then when she got older, like I'm 13, mm -hmm. was with me a lot more. She kind of had a more cho of a choice then, you know, where she wanted to live, so. and But I, I will say that, you know, her dad definitely um, played a big part in her, her, a role in her life, you know. He definitely helped out a lot raising her, so. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Brittany and I are so much alike. I think that's why we did bump heads a lot. The difference between, I feel like the difference between her and I is that um, I feel like I was a little more conscious of consequences where mm -hmm. she really just didn't give a crap, you know? She's like, I'm gonna do what I want and this yeah. is the way it is, and so what? Did I love her any less? No, you know? But um, we definitely bumped heads and she, you know, she was trying to throw down, you know? <laughs> and, you know, by the time she was 15, she's, you know. Jessica shares one story in particular where the two are coming back from a trip. I was living in Alabama, and we went to Tennessee, and I let the the boyfriend go, and he was 17 or 18. He was older, you know, and I at first I was like, no, 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 but I um, figured what harm could be. I took him up to a hotel, and we were swimming, took him up to eat for her birthday, and on the way back home, the next morning, she doesn't like breakfast food, so she's like, we went through McDonald's. I had to be to work, you know, back upstate, and I was like, we're going to the McDonald's, just grab something to eat. And she's like, ah, again, this attitude, you know, that she gets comes over her. And I said, look, we can stop at the gas station and get you something else if you don't like it. Because I always said she had to eat something in the morning. I care if it's raviolis, what it is, you got to eat something. Mm -hmm. So she was like, mm. and I, I got her an orange juice. And she sat, was, she was sitting in the front seat up until the McDonald's drive through And she jumped in the back seat because she was mad at me. She was sitting behind my seat. I have my hair up in a ponytail. I'm driving down the, the interstate at 70, 75, you know, and all of a sudden she pours the orange juice over the top of my head oh. and pulls my hair. And we were having a like, pretty heated discussion. I stopped that car in the middle of that road, you know, and I'm like, what in the world? But definitely we've had our, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's not what, that's... Okay. Yes. So she also let you know if she was not happy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Definitely did not hide it at she all. She was a fighter. Mm -hmm. Very much so. I think it's good to know about that as we get deeper into this. Yeah. Obviously, Britt's relationship with Jessica isn't your typical mother-daughter dynamic. It almost seems like they're sisters. But Jessica knows that. She had her hands full with Britt. Almost like Britt was the rebellious younger sister she tried to keep in line while still struggling with her own demons. As Britt gets older... Their relationship continues to have rough patches. It was the weekend after Thanksgiving. Her and I had made some plans. Her and I, they, you know, Caden and Justin, I said, look, you know, she was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do for Thanksgiving, Mom, because the grandma's got hers. I said, well, go to your grandma's because, you know, she, she's not going to be around forever, you know. Go to your grandma's. I'll do my next weekend. Okay. So I go to pick her up. I said, I'll be there at noon. And I get there, and she's, her and Justin are passed on the couch. And this is at noon. Sound asleep. Liquor bottles everywhere. And Caden's up running around. You know, and I'm like, mm. I didn't say nothing. I, I, I woke him up, and she's not the most friendliest when she wakes up, you know. So waking her up is like, oh, shit, you know. And I woke him up, 
had him get everything around, grab the baby's high chair too, you know, and brought it to the house. And she, as soon as I woke her up, I'm like, oh Lord. And it was, it's more, it was more so of an attitude than, than norm to the point where I'm like trying to, I'm literally biting my tongue so I don't, you know, spout off at her, like you better knock it off, you know. Yeah. And uh, we get out there and to the house and she, she goes and lays on the couch and falls asleep. Well, Caden's crawling around at this point, and I, my son and I are in the kitchen, and I had this turkey in the oven and a ham, and he wanted to know how to how to baste the turkey and you know do all that stuff. So, I had the oven door open, and then I we were doing that. I was trying to show my son, and here comes Caden, and he kind of crept in there where we didn't really hear him. Well, he went to stand up and reach for the, he reached for the, st- the oven to try to stand himself up, and K- Victor caught him just in time, and it, it it scared Victor, and he he took Caden out there to Brittany. He said, "Hey, you need to wake up and take care of your son," and she's like, "Blah blah blah." I said, "Oh, hold up," because <laughs> it already been her mouth had already been running, you know, on the all the way there. I said, look, we ain't going to do this today. She's like, ah, you know, gets all mad about it. I'm, Caden's not staying either. I said, yeah, I figured you'd do that. You know, it is what it is. Let's go. And I had told her prior to this, don't you ever, she liked to hit me from behind, get me from behind. I told you about the orange juice yeah. incident. I said, I told her prior to this, I said, don't, don't think that for a second, you're not going to get away with that anymore. You know, don't hit me from behind. Don't hit me, you know, because like, I'm going to take your little butt down next time. You know, it's $100 bond. I'm gonna get myself out. You don't don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I took the the one part of the high chair outside, um, the, the tray. Well, the tray, and she she had it out there already. I went back inside to get the other part of the high chair. I come back out, and she's just running her mouth, and I'm running my mouth. And next thing I know, she whips that tray of that freaking high chair at me, and it misses me like that much. Hits a window behind me. I mean, my hair was like, you know. <laughs> And she looked at me, I looked at her, nothing was said. I, she starts taking off running, and I took off after her. And I got her down to the ground, and I'm like, she's like, I'm pregnant. Oh, jeez. And that's how I found out she's pregnant with Reese. And I'm like, your face ain't pregnant. <laughs> but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see that. But I, your face ain't pregnant. But we didn't, I didn't hit her. But it was, that's how I found out she's pregnant with Reese. And everything kind of settled down a little bit. But, yeah. You know. Well, I think, I think that's something that I want to kind of dive into is that the dynamics of your guys' relationship from someone looking out from the outside in, they'd be like, that's not normal. That's, I would never do that, or I would never do this. Well, right, exactly. In that situation, it probably could be fair to say, well, your child child probably wouldn't swing at you. Right, or throw, but, throw a high chair at you. you know, high chair I, remember, at you. I think for, to help people who are gonna be listening to this, is to better understand the, that, that dynamic between you and Brittany. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a father, I can say like, that would, I would never desire to ever have to put my hands on my son, ever. But don't don't get it twisted, boy. Like I'm dad. Like, right, you, right. You, because of the position that you are in, a magnifying glass is on you. It is. How did that affect you? How is it affecting you? How you know? Do you look at yourself and think, did I you know fuck up? Did I? Every day did I go I, wrong? I've already thought that from jump when she comes up missing from the door, even when I thought that prior to her missing. Like I, God, where did I feel her as a parent? You know what I'm saying? But it's it's I. I uh, I, I can't even look at Facebook anymore. Like I, I had to, I have to put it down where I have to know where to cut it off at, and not and not even look at what they're saying because it's, it makes me angry, <clears throat> and I don't want to. I'm 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 a tongue lasher, you know, and I've learned to. It's my protection over myself, you know. When somebody comes at me, I just tongue lash, but it doesn't it doesn't help any matters at all, you know. It just mm-hmm. makes me look more guilty or something, you know. If I'm getting mad about something, but it hurts my feelings. My feeling when I'm hurt, I'm. I'm sad. When I'm sad, I, I get angry about it, you know. Instead mm-hmm. of like letting anybody see that I'm sad about it, I just get mad, mm-hmm. so that it kind of covers that up. And 
I don't pay attention to Facebook anymore, but it is killing me inside. Jessica understands that with Brittany gone missing, her actions as a mother are scrutinized under a magnifying glass. Right or wrong, someone airing your dirty laundry is going to be frustrating. Jessica willingly answers to this by addressing the voice memos from episode one. I know that, like the whole audio thing, my daughter lost her children a year before. All four of my grandparents, she didn't just lose them. She signed them off, okay? Mm-hmm. I have been in CPS's eyes before. I was a child in CPS's care as well. I got myself emancipated when I was 16 years old. I was the only child in Branch County to do that, and I was successful. I, myself, felt like Brittany should, she had those four children, I felt like you made those babies, you take care of those babies, and you fight for those babies. You don't give them up. You don't sign them off, you know? That wasn't fair to them. I felt like she didn't give them a chance at the time. I was so angry with her. But I just, we were, we were, yeah, we were at it. She, she signed away, you know? And Eric was, Eric was right behind her, her husband, you know, helping her. He told me so. He told me, he, he, he's like, I pushed that pen too. I had her do it. And I, I was angry with her. So that audio that was out there and I haven't listened to it all I don't want to I know what it is and I I know what I said um I know what I was referring to I told her that when I said you know God gave you one chance he's not going to give you a second chance I was referring to the children he'd already given her one chance to get those kids back she got them back and she's not he's not gonna give you a second one you can't just keep you know screwing up and expect to get your kids back you know she didn't screw up the first time let me put that out there she didn't do nothing wrong that first time nothing wrong that was them the second time yeah she was screwing up and she she could not pass drug tests, and she did not do what the things she was supposed to do, and she lost them. She signed them off. I didn't know that she had given up the kids until, like, four or five months after she actually signed them off. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought she was still seeing them and stuff, at least, but she wasn't. And uh, I ran into her at the casino one night, and mm. she was with two guys. One was Eric, and I don't know who the other guy was, but she seemed to be, like, hanging out with that guy more than her, more than Eric. It didn't look like her and Eric were together. I was actually leaving, and she was just getting there. She, we, we kind of bumped into each other in the elevator, and I was I was with a girlfriend, and I'm like, oh, well, of course I had to take my ass right back in there, you know, <laughs> try and talk to her and stuff. And she she was standoffish, but she tell she wanted to talk, but she but she didn't, you know, she want she didn't want to tell me. But I did ask her. I said, what's up with the kids? You know, how's everything going? I get, and she told me she gave them up, signed them off. That's how you found out. Mm-hmm. So there was nothing I could do. There was no intervention. I couldn't take them. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't help. Nothing. There was no. There was no after. I thought I'd never see them again. And that killed. That just crumbled me. Thank goodness, um, the kids. All four of them have been adopted out by two families, and they are amazing people. I could, mm-hmm. We couldn't have been more blessed. Brittany was very close with the two families. Oh, with the one family, not the not two. We didn't know the second family yet. Jessica has made it clear. Her and Brittany's relationship took a hard turn after Jessica found out Brittany signed over her parental rights to the state. In all fairness, I understand where Jessica is coming from. I'd be upset too, but it's kind of like the pot calling the kettle black when you drop Brit off at Greg's when she's two years old. Jessica and I have had honest conversations about this. That dispute holds no weight compared to Brittany going missing. Jessica and I wrapped up the conversation and went mobile. The four of us jumped in the car. I asked Jessica to take me by John's house, the elderly man's. Apparently, there's a cross in the yard that John allowed Brittany's family to place in memory of her. This is the last place she was, so this is why we put the cross up here, just to, on her second year that she was missing. 
um, on that date I came out here and we made this. John let us put it out here in the yard and just someplace, you know, to, you know, just think about her and some people think about her and they don't forget, you know. And maybe for some light to light lead her the way home. That's why I was telling you earlier, her birthday went by on July 6th, her third one that she's been gone. I went shopping for solar candles for my kid's birthday. How long ago did you guys put this in? Uh, on November 30th? Yeah, we did it on November 30th. John was allowing yeah, you guys to do yeah. that. Yeah, John was, John was great. Yeah. Very great. John allowed Brittany's family to post the cross in the yard. Now that he's passed, we wonder what was going to happen with the new property owner. Well, that happens to be John's grandson, at least for now. I was able to meet the guy. He's a stand-up dude, very kind and respectful. I didn't want to put him on the spot by asking him whether he was going to keep the cross up or not. The young man chose to address this topic without being asked. He said, the cross stays. Now before leaving, Jessica was sharing something about a mole trap being somewhere placed nearby the cross. Apparently, one of Brittany's friends, Brenda, came by to visit the cross and thought that someone was trying to claim that Britt was a mole or something. That's when John's grandson chimed in. What she call it? A mole? So, yeah. Yeah, I had You did? Oh, God. Brenda thought that it was like they were calling Brittany a, like a mole, like a rat. No, it was, oh. it was the mole trap. Ah. It was to kill the moles because they were going around her. Gotcha. Because a bunch of moles in the yard? Yeah, and they'll make these big mounds. And fucking hit it with the mower. See what kind of crazy thinking oh. they've got us thinking, you know, like, but it's, it's just so crazy because yeah. you don't know. Yeah, no, that's yeah. just a mole trap. All right, I can't wait to. <laughs> She's going to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. She said, I took it down. I was like, really? Oh, yes. Did she really? Yeah, she, she thought they were trying to call Brittany a, a you know what she did with that? I don't know, but I will find out. Yeah. I will find out. Tell her she owes him a new one. I will. I will definitely do that. I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. That's okay. <laughs> I was able to go inside John's house to get a better understanding of the layout. We'll cover those details in a future episode. We wrapped up our interview and called it a night, but I wasn't done with some of the questions I wanted to ask, so I requested one more interview before leaving. The next morning, Ethan and I drove out to a campsite Jessica and Loco rented for the summer. It's hot. It's humid. I wanted to address more of the concerning issues that Ashley brought up. And one of the things that we had talked about yesterday was the voice memos that Ashley had posted and I know you don't want to listen to them it's part, I mean it's it's out there I know it's not, I mean I know what the conversation was I remember and I <clears throat> god did I ever think that was gonna come back and slap me in my face hell no you know it's like heated heated you know like yeah. upset with her she we had our own way of communicating you know but yeah. it's just the way we did things you know let's talk about <clears throat> The name in that, since you, since you know what it was about, Daniel. Who's Daniel? Cage. So that's Daniel, her ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. What's the context of that conversation between you and her talking about Daniel? She, Daniel had dated me first. So here's the thing. This is a very unusual relationship. I can't ignore that Jessica and Britt didn't have the healthiest coexistence. As we sat across from each other, I can tell this topic is uncomfortable for Jessica to talk about. Years, a couple years before Brittany. Oh, really? Oddly. That's the first time I've heard that. Really? Yes. So what year did that happen? So she... She wasn't even... I mean, she was like 15. When you and Daniel dated? Yeah. For a very short period of time. 
Daniel's okay. thirty something. Um, okay. Thirty-four, thirty-six, something like that. Thirty-four. Okay. So yeah, I mean, he's definitely you know like not. It wasn't, and it was just for a short period of time. But then, she, you know, it's like a whole jealousy thing. They were having a very, they had a very toxic relationship, and they, she, the jealousy thing was going on, and she just went back and forth. Actually, what it was about was those kids, and that she'd given up the babies. That's what the whole thing was really like. That's where the anger was coming from, mm-hmm. you know. And I was I was pissed at her for signing off her rights to her babies, and and it just came out in every which way, you know. Like she went back and forth, and I um, I think one of the things that was said on there was. You know, um, God gave you one chance, he's not going to give you another. And they thought that was like maybe some kind of type of... Yeah, you remember you telling me yesterday. Right, and it, that it was, was nothing about, like that. It was like she got her babies taken once before, and that it was not by her fault. I did she say, say she was pregnant during that time, near the time that she was missing? She couldn't have been pregnant. She, she, she got fixed after her, her last baby. As I said before, given that your daughter's missing, your actions are under a microscope. She knows that, and yet she's here gotta give her credit. Let's get it out of the way and have the uncomfortable discussion. What I'm trying to figure out, did Jessica do something to Brittany out of sheer jealousy? You heard the voice memos. Jessica said some harsh things to her daughter. Ashley has made it clear in her own investigation, Jessica is somewhat high on her list of suspects. I can understand why. The voice memos, having relationships with your missing daughter's ex-boyfriends, the voicemails on your phone the night she goes missing, knowing I wasn't going to see Jessica again, I wanted to make sure I had answers to these questions. There's this assumption that I've seen on Facebook that people just think that for several, for their own reasons or whatever conclusions that they've gotten to this point is that you're hooking up with Britney's exes. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm the, to blame for... I've also heard that I was... I owe the cartels, for, and that's why I'm paying off the debt, you know, with using her and, and just to, crazy stuff. Let, I mean, I want to get the facts straight, right? I just want to get the story out. Let's just cut through, you know, with the sharp knife, like butter. Yeah. How many other guys have you... Um, that it, were Britney's exes? Just, it, well, they weren't really... Technically, Britney dated him. He so on the technicality? He, he was my ex. It wasn't even for very long, you know? It was just like, you know, it's not dating. He was, just dated he was Cage. Yeah. Cage and is one. Zach, I dated Zach. But Zach and her had a been together. They were very good friends. They were <clears throat> discussing that. Um, and when he got out of prison, I dated Zach. If you didn't hear Jessica, she said she dated Cage and Zach. Zach was in prison during the time Brittany went missing. Knowing Zach was behind bars, and after reading their entire JPay email history, I'm not putting any more attention on him. The day of the 30th. Ashley showed me a voicemail of a guy apparently, so you know, I mean, obviously it's clear. Ashley has your password. She oh, yeah, she's still into your account. So she's been withholding that information from you. She took over even my daughter's under, my daughter's page I created. Even under your request to have that information yes. back, she said, I'm, well, I'm withholding it because she's withholding my, my stuff in her storage unit. Regardless of that hole between the two I of you. I told her she, she's more than welcome to it. I would rather she, she had gotten it out of there. Yeah. <laughs> so between the two of you, there's obviously this, this this bad blood, and I think it yeah. goes beyond just Brit. It, it does. There's some. It must be. Are you still with me? I want to bring up the issue with Ashley having access, and how she still does to this day, to Jessica's account information. I'm going to make this simple. Jessica and Ashley didn't know each other until after Brit went missing. Eventually, the two crossed paths. It started off rocky. 
They eventually become, I guess we can call it, friends. Jessica had a phone that needed to be fixed. Ashley is somewhat of a techie. Jessica asked her if she was able to fix her phone and help her back into the accounts. Ashley agrees and is successful. Throughout the process of repairing Jessica's phone, Ashley also updates and shares the passwords per Jessica's request. Ashley encourages Jessica that once she gets logged in to change her password. Jessica confirms and sends a text, I don't care honestly, and it's you. At some point, Ashley asks Jessica if she could store her personal items in Jessica's storage unit. Ashley claims to have paid six months of storage fees considering she'd be splitting the place with Jessica. Some time rolls by and the two are at odds again. Because of this, Ashley wants to get her things from storage. She claims Jessica wasn't willing or being cooperative, so Ashley took over Jessica's accounts. This is how the voice memos and voicemails became known to the public. But one of the things that she sent me, she goes, listen to this, it's November 30th, listen to this voicemail, it's like around 9, and it's a guy, and this guy says, hey, you better call me, if you don't, you're not going to like what happens tonight. And apparently this voicemail has been sent, was on your voicemail. Have you ever heard of it? Okay, I'm going to grab my phone, because I think I think it's on my phone. Yeah, please do, then I, I mean, if I yeah. heard it, I'm sure I would, you know, See if recognize it. See rings a bell. I've been around some good douchebags. Sure. <laughs> it could be. But the, the, the thing that sticks out to me, obviously, is when he says, better, you know, the night of, before she goes missing, calls number one, you know, he's saying, you better, you can call, you're not going to like what I do tonight. How does that guy, coincidentally, which can be coincidence if you want to, you know, without facts, but how does he get it on that night? He says this and then threatens you with that. So that's always been something I'm like, what I never even heard of about? that. Like, it's probably something stupid, some douchebag being a douchebag, you know, so, you know, just making threat like he's going to go fuck her, you know, fuck her, whatever, you know what I'm saying? I let Jessica listen to the recording. Oh, this is Leonard. He worked for me. He was crazy, like, literally crazy. Jessica explained the voicemail was from a man named Leonard. She told me it had to do with some work she hired Leonard for. Apparently, he didn't do a good job. There was a feud over how much Leonard should be paid. We're talking about a hundred bucks. I plan on reaching out to Leonard and I'll let you guys know how it goes. Ashley shared with me that her and Scott, Brittany's uncle, have a positive relationship. Ashley and Scott have messaged back and forth about the case, what they remember about the male who was with Brittany. While in Michigan, Ashley was very helpful in helping arrange meetings with various people I wanted to speak with. Some were spur-of-the-moment meetings. Hold on one second. Say that again? I said, you can praise me later. Just follow me straight to Grandma. Just go straight to Grandma's? Straight to Grandma's? Hear me? Go straight to Grandma's. Okay. Talk to Scott. <laughs> you just talked to Scott? He said he's good? Yeah. Okay. Can Ethan get out with me? Can I let Ethan out with me without the video? I would... I would talk to him first. Okay. Because of how sensitive the topic is to Brittany's family, and with Ashley already having an established relationship with him, I followed her lead. As you pull into the driveway, Grandma's house is on the right, with an open field to the left. At the end of this field is a barn. As I understand it, Scott is commonly found working there. I meet Scott for the first time. He's much shorter than me, around 5'7". He looks like he's been under a car all day, working. He has a thick beard that hides his smile. We talked for about 20 to 30 minutes. I didn't ask Scott about the details of the night, 
just wanted his support and consent to interview the boys. He agreed. I'll share with you this about my encounter with Scott. The man lives with a heavy burden of guilt. Knowing that the man most likely responsible for having some sort of involvement in Brittany's disappearance was right in front of him. Scott later said to me before leaving grandma's, if I would have known what I know now, I would have buried that man in the front yard. I would have never let Britt leave. Scott walked me inside and introduced me to grandma and grandpa. Ashley joined me. Grandma, of course, was all in on speaking and talking about the case. Grandpa, on the other hand, wasn't thrilled with the idea. He sees the emotional and physical toll it's taking on his wife's health. He's reluctant to the effect of, she's her own boss, she can make her own decision, but don't expect anything from me. The purpose of this meeting wasn't to do the interviews there, but just to make an introduction in person. Mission accomplished. The rest of the episode is going to be my interviews with Scott and his sons, Colin and James. I want to make note of the fact that this is the first time the boys will have ever been interviewed on record regarding the details of that night. If you want a better understanding of the home layout, I'm posting a sketch on my social media pages. We're going to start with his youngest son, Colin. He was 12 years old at the time, making him about 15 now. Do you remember where you were coming from? Yeah, so I went. I was going over to my dad's for his weekend. Nothing was, everything was normal. I was just laying out in the living room that's right by the entrance of the house. Real, real quick though, when you said you were going over to your dad's, did dad pick you up from somewhere? Yeah, he picked me up from my mom's. And so from mom's house, what time would that normally, would that usually take place? Was it usually the same time or was it different? Uh, it was usually around the same time, around 7, 7.30. And then we got back to his house around 8, okay. 8.30. And then you arrived at the house and who's in the car with you? Uh, me, my brother, and my dad. And do you remember what side of the car you were sitting on? I want to say I was in the back on the right. And, and then we got there. Everything was normal. We were just chilling on the couch. I was at least, and then. Oh shoot! Get... Sorry, your brother's calling me. Let me tell him I'm talking to you. Oh, okay. Let me tell. Him. Sorry about that. You're fine. Where where I kind of wanted to go, and, and forgive me, I'm very detailed, and that's the way my mind works. Yeah, that's when you, fine. You, when you pulled in, let's start, and I kind of want to go scene by scene along in this process. When you pulled into Grandma and Grandpa's driveway. You were in the car. Where did you guys park? Where was Brittany's vehicle park, or I guess Sheldon's vehicle park? What? Who was around the vehicle? What do you remember? Okay, so when we got there, we parked. It's right when you pull in. It's we pulled off to the grass. We always park there. They were not there yet. They weren't. They there. probably. They, they were not there yet. No, they were not. Really? What I'm time trying did to they get there. I'm trying to think of what time I got there. I want to say it was around 7 or 8. Uh, Jane, I don't know. When you talk to James, he'll probably have a more set on yeah. time. But I want to say it was around 7 or 8. We parked right off on the patch of grass. And they showed up around an hour or two after us. And they parked right next to my dad's vehicle. Brittany Do you know and... what side of the vehicle? What was that? Do you know which side of the vehicle? Their passenger side would have been by our driver's side. And then I was laying in the living room that's right next to the entrance of the house. You walk in and you're right in the living room. Is that what they consider the sunroom? Yeah, the sunroom, yep. Okay, okay. I've been there and once then, already. So you know, right when you walk in, it has like four windows. It's just a tiny little room is with that, a TV. Is that where you guys normally entered into the house? 
Yeah. Okay, so you guys go up there to enter into the house, and then you eventually settle in, and you're watching TV? Uh, yeah, I was on my phone. My grandma was watching TV on the TV. Okay, so she's sitting in that same sunroom with, with you? Uh, she was sitting in the kitchen. Okay. So well, she was a distance away from the TV, but... That's normally where and she I was sits, laying, though, right? What was that? That's, like, normally where she sits? Yeah. And so I was sitting there on the couch for a while, and then Brittany and... I what what did you say his name was Sheldon? That's Sheldon's car. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, Brittany and whoever pulled in, and I was just laying on the couch. And at first, I didn't recognize them because it was dark out at this time. And they came in. I said hi to Brittany and whatever. I didn't really talk to him. And then Brittany went out to talk to my grandma. Where was grandma at now? The kitchen. Same place. So, okay, so they enter in, I'm assuming they're entering in, entering through the sunroom front entrance? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. And so they both walked in, I said hi to Brittany, then she went to talk to my grandma. They walked in, does Brittany walk, so you guys acknowledge each other, do you remember exactly what you said? Uh, I just remember saying, hey, what's up, Britt, and then she said nothing much and just said hey. And he was shortly right behind her? Yeah. Did he acknowledge you or say anything? No. And then he he stayed in the sunroom in the corner right next to the door. The front door? He would just yeah, the front door in the sunroom and he just kept kind of looking over at me and at that point I got a little bit uncomfortable cuz I didn't know him and he wasn't saying anything, so I just walked to the bathroom. Did you guys make eye contact? Every time he'd see me like slightly look his way, he'd look away pretty quickly and just look around the room. But you couldn't see his face that well? No, I could only see, like, the bottom half, like, his nose and down because his hood was up. And the light wasn't on in the sunroom, so. And then I walked to the bathroom. I walked past Brittany and my grandma, and they were just talking. And she had stopped to do laundry. And I had walked to the bathroom. Then I came back out, sat in a chair next to my grandma. Brittany was in the laundry room. The guy was in the laundry room, too, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so at this point, he's... Let's let's break that down for a second. You... Okay. He's standing near the entrance in the sunroom, but you're sitting on the couch. You're still laying on the couch or watching or on your phone. Is the couch technically in the sunroom? Yeah. Okay. So if I walk... It's a small through, couch. It's kind of like two recliners oh, together. Okay. So if I walk through the front door, the windows to the left, the more opening towards the kitchen, you walk to the right, correct? Yeah. Is the couch in front of me, to the left of me, or to the right of me, if I walk to the front door? The right. Oh, it's to the right. Okay, so that's where you're... Okay. He's still standing at the front door, halfway in, halfway out type of thing? or is he, uh, like... he was completely in the room, but he was definitely like as close to the door as he could be without being out so yeah kind of halfway half in okay this is when you're sitting there watching on your phone whatever and you kind of glance up every now and then you kind of see him you know not clearly but you can also tell that he's looking away every time you're you're glancing at him which kind of weirds you out but you also don't stare back at him or would that be fair to say did you no i every time i'd see him looking at me i'd like glance up He'd look away, and then I'd look back down to my phone. Hood's on, light's not on, so you kind of get from nose down? Yeah. I remember he had somewhat of a goatee, kind of. 
Okay. If, if you were able to send me a picture of, of mutton chops, like a men's you know beard, can you send me something and you're like, hey, this is exactly what it looks like? Yeah, I can try to find one. How much time goes by between you sitting there in the chair, him giving you the, the weird, weird vibe, and then you getting up and going to the kitchen and sitting, I think, I don't know what you did, but you ended up sitting next to grandma. Yeah. 15 or 20 minutes, I'd say. So you, you he hung out there at that spot for quite a while. Yeah, he probably hung out there for like, if I had to give an exact, probably about 12, 13 minutes. And then you go sit next to grandma, but you, are you not really paying attention to what Brittany's really doing during that 12, 12 minutes, correct? No, I was still just on my phone in the kitchen at that point. I know Brittany was doing laundry, but yeah. her and grandma, when they're talking, or even when you're around, were you around any of the conversations between her and grandma? Yeah, but I wasn't really paying attention. Okay. But did she, how it, did she seem? What was her demeanor like? It was, it was pretty normal. I remember some of the conversation was just like her and my grandma catching up. From the kitchen, where do you, where, what happens next? I went out to the other living room, which is down the hallway, and I was just in there for the rest of the time, and they left, and I thought nothing of it. Technically, from sitting in the kitchen and going down to the hallway, that was your last encounter with him? Him or Brittany. Do you remember what your last words were to Brittany? I remember telling her bye. Did she come to the to, to the back living room to come say bye to you? Uh, I had gone out to get a water, and then they were leaving. And he was already outside, and I said, I told her bye. And she just said bye and went out to the car. Did, did she seem in a rush? Like, that's one of the things I've heard is that she was, she seemed, people have said, so I'm, I'm getting it from you, from your opinion, that she was rushing out the door because the guy was hurrying her, and she seemed frantic when she was leaving. I remember the guy kind of waiting there, like, giving off a vibe of, like telling her to hurry, kind of. I wouldn't say she seemed frantic. Like, she was in a rush to go, but not, like, frantic or scared or anything. How long were they there for? I want to say an hour and a half. An hour, an hour and a half, somewhere in there. So that's that's interesting. So from now, kind of as I'm processing this, from them entering in through the door, her mm -hmm. acknowledging you, him kind of hanging out there for about 12 minutes, giving you the weird vibe, there's what 48 minutes left so then you go to the kitchen then you sit next to grandma and how long were you with grandma for probably 15 minutes and then you're in the living room or the other living room watching tv who's in there with you uh just me that probably another half hour later and then you get up to go get something to drink and say goodbye yep is that about right yep that sounds right okay if you saw this guy again do you think you'd recognize him If he was, if he looked the exact same, I'd say yes. But then again, three years, so I don't know what he'd look like now. Really? If he looked the exact same, then I'd be able to, or close to the same at least. So if you could try to remember, you know, he was wearing a sweatshirt because he had the hoodie on, but you don't think he was had a, like a jacket or anything over that? No, I don't think he did. You don't remember anything about shoes, jeans, no jeans, sweats, color pants? I'm pretty sure they were definitely pants, though, like not shorts. I don't think. Okay. What about Britt? What was she wearing? I have no idea. <clears throat> Did Grandma stay out in the kitchen very long? Do you remember at any point in time when you came, like when you came back out, 
and she was leaving, you said goodbye to her. Was Grandma still out in the kitchen? Yeah. So she, Grandma was aware that around the entire time. How? Did, and actually, where's the laundry room? Because you said that he made it to the laundry room, right? Yeah. If, if I, you walk into the kitchen from the sunroom, uh-huh. you turn left, uh-huh. and then the door on your left is the laundry room. Anything else stick out to you about this guy? Well, at the time, the only thing that really stuck out was his the vibes he was giving off, like you said, him staring at me and giving me those weird vibes. Have you met uh, Sheldon? I have not. Did you guys have a house phone, or did everybody just own cell phones? Everyone owned cell phones. No house phone. When you're 100%, they got there after you guys? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, for you as a kid, did this scare you? Yeah. Because I, mean, I, I didn't know how if someone was like out for the family or what. I mean, because in reality, it's like whoever that guy was is more than likely knows what happened. Yeah, you know? and he knows where my where we live when we're at our dad's. And and oh, and last question: no, no police officers ever followed up with you guys. Is that right? Um, I don't remember. I remember my brother talked to someone. I can't remember if it was a police officer or not. I remember that he talked to someone in that night that. He talked to him. I was at my friend's, so I didn't go. And then two weeks later, when I went back out to my dad's, he told me what had happened, that she was missing. And I was shocked. I didn't know what to think at the time. Yeah. I just asked what happened, and he said that the car was crashed, and that was basically all we had at that point. Me and Brittany were never super close, but when you're, when you're blood-related to someone, you're always kind of close, if you know what I mean. So it made me sad, obviously, because she was still part of the family. And then, yeah, James will probably have a better memory of it because he was older than yeah. me. He still is older than me, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of how that works, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's dive into it. Um, you're Brittany's cousin. Yes. This is James. Uh, it was two years ago now? Uh, it'll be three th- this 30th. Okay. Uh, I was 15 then, about to turn 16. So let's talk about where were you before you went to your grandma's house? I can't really remember. I'm going to guess I was probably at my mom's house. Okay. And that's on a Friday, which is the 30th. How do you get to your dad or to your, it's considered your dad's house, but your grandma's house. I drive now, but I wasn't driving when I was 15. So my mom would meet with my dad at Pizza Hut every weekend in LaGrange, and then from there, we'd go back to our grandma's house. What time would this normally take place? Was it the same time all the time, or every every visitation, or would it change? I, I think it was usually probably around after she got out of work, so about 4 to 5. About 4 to 5 that you would meet with Dad at Pizza Hut? Yep. And so you and Dad, you meet Dad at Pizza Hut. What time do you guys then arrive back to Grandma's? Uh, it's about a 25-minute drive, so usually about 5.30, because I usually remember we'd get there, and it'd be about time for dinner, because we'd usually eat about 6. You pull in, What do you? who's there, and where do you park? Uh, we park in the front, in front of the porch, and I believe everyone was there. Actually, I, I'm having a couple memories come back. I remember going in. And Brittany was sitting at the kitchen table with my grandma, and they were talking. Okay. And then I go, I go through into the into the computer room area, 
let's let's go back to when you guys arrive. You guys pull in. If you know that Brittany's inside, because when you walk in, she's sitting at the kitchen table with Grandma. Mm-hmm. You're how confident are you that they were there before you guys got there? I'm pretty confident. Do you, when you exited the vehicle, if Brittany's there, do you remember where their vehicle was at? Uh, no, I don't. Oh yeah, yeah. It it was on the other side. It was in front of the porch too, but farther to the right. So when you pulled in, you guys veer off to the left and park. Yeah, and it's to mm-hmm. the right. Yep, the car was off and everyone was inside. You go inside. Do you enter through the front door, like through the sunroom? We always come in through the sunroom. Okay, so you enter the sunroom, and the first thing, who do you see when you walk through the door? Uh, my grandma, because she sits at the very front of the table. And then Brittany's on the right side of the table. So you have to go through the sunroom. So I saw my grandma first. And then when I walked into the kitchen, I saw Brittany. And they were sitting there talking. Do you remember what they were talking about? No, I don't. I wasn't paying attention. I was just going to the other room to drop off my backpack and then got on the computer. Did you say anything to Brittany? No. And so when you go to your room or you drop off your backpack, when you enter into the kitchen, um, Mm -hmm. do you go to the left and straight or do you go to the... Yeah, I walked around the right side of the table behind Brittany and then into the other room where the stairs are. Did you ever inter- interact or encounter or see this guy at all? Yes. Grandma said that dinner was ready. I remember eating, and I was playing on the computer while I was doing that. And then I remember we were done with dinner. I can't remember what time it was. I know it was late because it was really dark out. Brittany walked into the laundry room and then came in with a basket of laundry. She was folding up all her laundry but she was she looked like she was kind of in a rush while she was folding her laundry i remember they went outside and i went outside because my dad was out there and he told Brittany to tell him when they're leaving she said okay i went back in messing around on the computer and then i walked into the kitchen to fill up my glass of water and he was standing in the sunroom entrance the sliding door he was standing right there and then i turned around from the fridge and just looked at him and then finished filling up my glass and walked back in on the computer i heard the car start up and i looked out the window and saw the headlights on and saw him pull out and go down the road so you're in the computer room doing your thing you come out Mm-hmm. the timeline of you coming out so when you get home they're already there you go to the computer room how much time goes by do you feel like from the moment you're getting home and going to the computer room to you going out to the kitchen to get something to drink when i first got there yeah because you didn't see him when you first got there right yeah they were in there when i first got there oh so he was he was you saw him too no no he wasn't there or at least he wasn't at least around right no he wasn't it was just my grandma and Brittany to the right, right. in that chair he wasn't there until late. How long did Brittany stick around? Oh, well, I guess, did Brittany then, because the guy had to get there somehow or some way, so did she leave? Yeah, it, it must have been Brittany picked him up, I'm guessing. 
Huh. Because there was no other car there, and they left in the boyfriend's car. Right. That's, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so you're, as you remember it, you get there, she's already there, the timeline <clears> is somewhere around 5... Five, yeah, five, when five, we eight. first got there, it was about 5.30. Yeah, 5.30. 5, okay. 5.30. But it's just Brittany. He's not there yet. No. Okay. He wasn't there at all until it was real dark out. When you come out, now he's out there. Yeah. I walk out there, and then I glance to my left, and I remember he had, like, a real thick jacket on because it was cold out, and I remember... His hair was like horseshoe balding. Would you be able to look at a picture and kind of say, okay, that's that's a, that, that's the type of style of hair that I'm talking about. He had that kind of hair. Would you be able to look that up? Yeah, I can send you a picture. Okay. You came from the computer room. You're into the kitchen. You go to the fridge, right? Mm-hmm. And when you go to the fridge, you glance to the left, and he's there. He's got, mm-hmm. a, you said, like a bigger jacket. Do you yeah, remember the color? Yeah, like a Carhartt jacket. Okay. Do you remember the color? Like a brownish beige, tan, like tan. Do you remember what pants he was wearing? Yeah, blue jeans. Okay. I mean, did, did you have a sweater though? Do you ever have a hoodie on? Uh, I couldn't see anything besides the big jacket. White male, black male, brown male. White male. Anything and else? And I remember sideburns, kind of just straight down until until his jaw, and it just stops there didn't go towards his chin or inside to his cheeks or anything? I don't think so. Um, and that's the only facial hair I remember. Did you guys make eye contact? Yeah. I, re- I remember he wasn't a very tall guy because when I turned and looked, he was about eye level with me. And I'm only about, I was probably about 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, so you're confident he's about 5'5", five, 5'6"? Five, five, yeah, because I was eye level with him when I turned and glanced at him didn't say anything to him i just glanced at him and i asked my dad later i went upstairs after and asked my dad and he just said some guy Brittany knows oh really? so that and night then, you went and asked him that yeah you're at the kitchen you glance over you just kind of you guys make contact or you guys make eye contact you continue to get your water and where's Brittany during this time do you know where she's at she was okay so off of the computer room in you in the picture in front of the computer room, straight off of it, is another living room with a couch. And Brittany had an air mattress set up because she was staying there. She was in there with her laundry basket, getting her clothes folded, like I said. And it looked like she was in a little bit of a rush. Uh, if you could try to best explain what gave you that perception of, of her being in a rush. I remember her going out to the laundry room. I remember looking over and then... She went through into the kitchen and then into the laundry room and with, grabbed her clothes basket. And she was moving pretty quick with the clothes basket and then sat it down and she was folding them pretty quick. Do you remember if she actually completed folding all of them or did she end up just throwing them all in a... Uh, pretty sure she did finish folding all of them because she didn't have very much. From what I remember, she didn't have a ton. When you came out from the kitchen... To get your water, you interacted with this guy, or didn't really interact, but you saw him, and you came back, you went back to the computer room? I went straight upstairs, asking my dad who it was, talked to him for a little bit, came back down, saw Brittany folding her clothes, and then got back on the computer. He was standing 
in the doorway of the sliding door the whole time. The whole time I saw him. And the sunroom wasn't really lit that well, correct? No, there was no lights on. Do you feel like you had a good enough visual on him to recognize him if you saw him again? Maybe. I'd mostly just be going off the hair and the sideburns. Do you have any idea on what this guy's age could have been? If I had to guess, early 30s. And did he late make, 20s? Did he say anything that would allow you to recognize his voice? I mean, did he ever speak up? No, I, I never heard him talk at all. Have you ever talked to a detective or law enforcement? No. Really? Mm-mm. Have you ever talked to anybody about this? Just my dad. Have you ever met any of Brittany's boyfriends or husband, ex-husband? No. So you wouldn't even recognize if the guy was an uh, ex like Sheldon, did, for example? I did meet uh, one boyfriend that had, like, uh, dreadlocks. He... I can't remember if they were dreadlocks or it was just braided, but one of the other weekends that we were staying there, I remember them sleeping together on the air mattress. I believe it was, it's the guy that my dad said Jessica ended up getting with then. And then Brittany and Jessica were in a fight. Daniel Cage? Yeah. He was staying Over at there. my grandma's with Brittany for one of the weekends that we were staying there. There was a moment in the night where you said that you were outside because your dad was telling Brittany, because your dad was outside and your dad was telling Britt to like let him know before they leave so that he can get the dog out of the way. Yeah. At what point of the night did that part take place? Because that guy was out there too, or was he not? He he must have been in the sunroom at that point. Well, I'm I'm not real sure because I remember it was outside. Maybe he already went out to the car okay. and Britt was doing had to run back inside or something but i remember being on the porch and my dad telling Britt that and then Britt going back inside okay but so when you say you were on the porch yeah and, right in front of the my dad's car and the boyfriend's car and you don't see the guy around no i think he was probably already in the car was do you remember the car being on no not at that point and is Britt in the car or is she walking around the vehicle or something i think she must have forgot something and was going back inside. I think I just went back in on the computer okay. because I remember hearing the car start after Bert went back out. I pulled the curtains out of the way and then saw the headlights and saw him pull out and go down the road. And my dad said that she never said that she was leaving, that they were going. Because I went down to the barn after that and was talking to him after they had left. When I pulled into the driveway, you have to like either reverse out into the main road or there's like yeah, a way of they were they reversed out Could you and see went to the right. Wait a second. Now I'm looking at the house from up above on maps. From your angle, meaning looking from the direction of the house, they went right? Yeah. So as you're looking at the road on Crane Road, they went right. Mm-hmm. So that would technically mean if they went left, well, from your view, if they went right, they would have gone towards... Bauman Road? Bauman Road? Yeah. This is the challenging part. So no one no one asked you for your guys' like testimonies when this all happened. This is the challenge of dealing with not interviewing people who had vital information that was time sensitive. What was she wearing? I remember she was wearing pretty short shorts, I feel like, and a jacket. I remember the short shorts because I thought it was weird because it was so cold out. Because, yeah, because that guy was wearing a big, thick jacket. 
and she was walking around in a light jacket and those short shorts. What color were the shorts? I can't remember. Do you remember if she was wearing shoes? I feel like they were, you know, like the slides, the slide sandals. I'm pretty sure that's what it was when she had it on. And then the jacket, you remember what color jacket she was wearing? I feel like it was a dark color, like a navy blue or black. So for you, would it be surprising for someone to say? Oh, actually, I remember when she went to go get her laundry, she had a tank top on. And then she must have put on the jacket over that. Okay, she had a tank top on. I feel like it was another dark color. I believe she had on those short shorts and a pink tank top when she was going to grab the laundry. And went while she was folding it. And then before they left, she put on the darker colored jacket, navy blue or black. And you're confident that she put on the jacket? Yeah, I remember a jacket on after that, before they left. And is it like a, just like a sweater or like a heavy? It was like, no, it was a light zip up jacket with a hood on it. Did she say goodbye to you? No, she didn't say anything to me. How has this affected you growing up? Probably struck some fear into you as a kid. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, because I saw him. I was the last person to saw him pull out of the driveway and go down the road. I remember my grandma being really upset. As we dive into this story, when you start from the night that Brittany disappears, you obviously got to start where was the last place that she was seen, and that was at mom's house. One thing I'm still trying to figure out, and hopefully maybe you, you might be able to know this, but I'm trying to figure out what time Brittany arrived at grandma's. See, she was, she was already here with, with this fella. This is Britt's Uncle Scott. Where she was. She was already here when me and the boys got here. Um, I, I had him. It was my weekend to have my boys. And I don't know what I was doing prior, but I know when we, I know when we pulled, pulled in or got here to my mom's house. Um, she, she was already here. We got in my vehicle. We parked right about, we parked right in front of the porch, front porch there. We parked right next to the vehicle. And the guy she was with, he wasn't, he wasn't in the house. I didn't even know he had been in the house until it's been, it was months after the fact, probably a month or two after the fact that I even knew the the guy was in the house when we were there. Um, so let's, let's pause there for a quick sec. So you, you, you're coming home. You, it's your boys. You have your boys this weekend. And when you arrive, she was already there. As, yeah. as, to, as I understand it, you were arriving at the same time with your boys. Your boys weren't already there and you were coming home, but they were with you when you arrived? Yeah. Okay. So you, and when you said you pulled up in front of the porch and they were, his, their car was outside, what car, is it the same car that you've always known it to be? Did you recognize it? Did you? I recognized it as, as being Sheldon's car. I figured, I, I just assumed it was Sheldon's car. Okay. From what I understand, she was supposedly gonna be moving back in with Sheldon at this at this point in time is what I understood okay and that's where she, that's where she had been staying at for the last I don't know it was it was probably the last week she hadn't been she hadn't been staying and she was staying elsewhere so I just assumed that it was Sheldon that she was with and and it was his car okay. this is my assumption when you pull up and you park your vehicle you pull up to the side of their vehicle yeah and yeah, I pulled up to. Standing, I pulled up. It was. I was. Just, I was right next to the. Well, my passenger side would have been next to their driver's side. Oh, okay. 
Your pass. Okay. He, he was. He was. He was. He was. He was pretty much leaning up against, or he was directly in front of the front porch. Is he when, on the passenger side out. or the driver's side? Uh, I got out. I got out. Well, my boys would have got out. They were been right next to him. I got out. You know, I was on the other side of the vehicle. He was standing facing the house, and he was right smack dead in front of the door. When you pull up, you're pulling up to the left side of their vehicle. That would mean your passenger door would be against their driver's side door. Right. When your kids get out, they get out the right side of the vehicle, which would be right mm-hmm. next to the driver's side door. Okay. So when they exit and they get out, do is is the guy is he on the driver's side hanging like leaning against the car or is he on the he, he's leaning against the uh, the middle of the car on uh, like the hood like almost sitting on the hood but not sitting on it he was just oh, leaning up oh gotcha on the and, front and, and he was just staring at the front door he had on a, he had on a, a, a hoodie that's why it was it was dark it had just got dark when we we pulled in probably maybe only 15 20 minutes had it been dark Okay, so you pull in 15, 20 minutes before it had gotten dark? Yeah. So what time do you think that would have been? It was probably... Because it's, it's, no, it's November, almost December. I would probably say 7.30, right around 7.30. Okay. 7, 7.30, somewhere in there, so I want to say. Did you and this guy, did you say anything to him about anything? Like like interaction, encounter, or about the dog, anything? Oh, uh, yeah, I went out. I went out and talked to. The, to the, well, I talked right through the guy. Yeah, I wasn't even paying no attention to him. You know, I, I, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty fucked up situation. I remember going out there and saying, "Me and Brittany passed each other there in the sunroom, or what we call sun through the front door there. We pa- we passed one another right there, and she was she was walking out to the she was walking out to the car, and." And I was going inside the house, and I, I turned back around because I was going to tell her I was going to tell her not to be taken off and leaving without letting somebody know because I had just ran over the dog we have. I ran his head over, so he was just a pup at the time. So I was out there. I I turned back around to to tell her, you know, not not to at least let us know when she's taken off that way we get the dog back in the house and. She, she, you know, I didn't get, I didn't get to the stairways uh, of the upstairs before I turned back around. So I would, I didn't go that far. And I went back, I went out the front door and I looked at the guy and I said, where's Britt at? And he said, I don't know. She didn't come out here. <laughs> she couldn't, she couldn't win nowhere. I mean, she had been right, I had been right on her tail. Hmm. And I, I said, well, I said, she ain't out here. She ain't out here. And he he just shook his head. I said, "Well, I just want to let you guys know." I said, "Don't be don't be taken off without letting letting one somebody know so we can get the dog in the house." And he just nods his head at me. And I remember walking in the house and saying, "What in the fuck is going on here?" To my mom, yeah. I said, "What in the fuck is going on here?" I said, "This dude, he says he don't even know where Bert's at, and she she just walked out there." I said, "What in the fuck?" I said, "She," I said, "They're on one night." You know, just just saying that they might have been a little rough around the edges. Yeah. I never, I never seen her messed up. On any, anything before. You know, so I didn't. She was messed up on something that night. If you could 
describe how or why you're you're confident that she was on something well how would you describe it how, like what was the what, what what tells you she was on something i, I don't know how to explain it she, she just she just had this look uh just this a look that i've never seen before it was just a it was just a sense of feeling and then the way she looked when i looked at her yeah and before we go actually into that, I want to let me just circle back real quick. So you you walk past this guy, you kind of like you said, I looked through the guy. I didn't, I wasn't like in the moment realizing what we were dealing with. But when you looked at him, you're crossing in front of him, and he's on your right side, correct? Yeah, he he would have been on my right side. Yeah. You're, we're guessing he's about your height, correct? Yeah. And yeah. now yeah. I'm just putting the pieces together. So let's say he's leaning up against the car. And like to the hood. So let's say when you pass him, you might feel like he's at equal. But let's say he stands up, maybe he's three to four inches taller. Like, right, give or take a little bit, right? So we can say yeah. he's probably not six foot, right? That's where I'm kind of getting to. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he would have been six foot. You guys go inside, you kind of came back back out, and you said, Where's Britt? Because during that half hour, did, you, what, did the guy continue to stay outside the entire time? No, evidently he was in the house. After you and, ran back home, that, that's when I didn't. I didn't know he was. He was. Yeah. After after I had talked to him, he had. He would have had to have come in the house. It would have been. A, it would have been after I had talked to him about the dog. Because he come in and then he's after that he he come in and he he was staring at both of my boys, and he went as far as the stairway in the in the house, and one boy was sitting in the computer room. There's like another living room off to the other side, and he stood in the doorway and, and looked at one boy, my one, my one son, Colin. He was in the living room part. He was just kind of gave him a, a I guess, stared at him, just kind of. And he did the same thing with to James. He was in the other room on the computer. I don't know. I guess, I guess, just gave him a. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you when all this was up. happening? I was up. I would have been upstairs at the time. Okay, so you're upstairs. He's now inside the house after you guys arrived back home. And remember when you came back in, you said, what the fuck is going on? After the guy said, I don't know where Britt's at. Yeah. Did you talk to Britt at any point between after that at all throughout the rest of the night? Did you see her? No. After you went upstairs? I didn't. Or... See... No. Okay. So you... when, we passed, when we passed one another, when me and the boys got here, when we passed one another, walking, well, she was walking out. I was walking in. She didn't say hi or acknowledge you. No, Just, no. She looked. She looked. She looked upset. She looked. She looked bothered. She was looked. She carrying was in a bad, anything? She looked like she was in a bad mood. She had a. I believe she had a basket when I passed her. She had a, like a basket carrying it out to the car. What do you remember? My, what she was wearing. I'm sure, had, I'm sure. Probably had clothes in it. No, mm. I don't know what she had. I don't know what she was wearing. Had I had already known that shit would have went down the way it did. It, they wouldn't have left. They wouldn't have been leaving. I, don't I haven't know. even had. To, I haven't even. Ha- I haven't even had to talk to the fucking police. I've never even fucking talked to a police officer about this. Not once. Not once. Nor my kids. No, but no. I remember a few different times that there was police officers here talking to my parents about this, and they never even asked if I was at the fucking house. Yeah, I've never talked to no fucking cops about any of this. They never even asked. They never even asked to. That's why a lot of people. Oh, well, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but. This kind of way throws them off about wanting to talk with people, I believe, is because there for a while there was all sorts of people trying to go to the police and, and, and telling them 
giving them information, this and this, and they were, the police would be pretty much telling them to go fly kite. They they weren't they didn't give it two shits. They didn't give a they didn't give two shits, and they just they still don't. As far as I as far as I concerned, and I believe it was Ashley was one of the people that told me that they pretty much were told to keep their nose out of the shit. You know, mind their own business or you know else. You know, and that's when people are getting told that kind of stuff. You really don't really be talking or try to tell people what you, what you do know. Okay, that was a lot of information to process all at once. There's no doubt that the stories don't exactly match, and I'm not implying anything either. What you're hearing is the truth, but with some inaccuracies. The boys shared what they remembered, but it doesn't line up. Colin says Brittany and the male don't arrive until maybe an hour after they do. Colin states that the first time he sees the unknown male, he's laying on the couch, playing on his phone, when Brittany and the male enter through the sunroom entrance. After laying there for 10 to 15 minutes, he gets up and goes to the bathroom, followed by sitting next to Grandma. Then, he decides to go to the other living room, which is where Brittany sleeps when she stays there. James states when arriving to Grandma's, Brittany is already there with Sheldon's car. When exiting the vehicle, they go inside, and this is when he sees Brittany for the first time. He goes and sits down to play on the computer. Grandma calls for supper. He grabs his plate and glass of water and takes it back to the computer room to continue playing. He finishes dinner, heads back to the kitchen to refill his glass of water. This is when he sees the mystery man. James says he's eye level with him. They make eye contact. Unfortunately, the sunroom was dark and there wasn't lighting available. James says he heads back to the computer room, but decides to go upstairs to ask Scott who the man downstairs was. That's an important fact, by the way. James eventually returns to the computer, and shortly after, he hears the Mercury Milan turn on. He peers out the window and watches Brittany head towards Bauman Road, which is the opposite direction I've always assumed they traveled because of where the car crash later that night takes place. Scott and James's recollections of that night seem to be the most similar but still, with some key differences. They both said that Britt and the car were already at Grandma's when they arrived. Scott is the only one who claims to have seen the man when exiting the vehicle. He said the man was leaning against the front of the hood, staring at the sunroom front door entrance. It's at this point, Scott and Brittany pass each other in the sunroom. He said that she looked like she was on something. He also mentioned her attitude and that it looked like she seemed upset. Scott continues through the kitchen, starts to head upstairs, but then remembers the dog. Scott does a 180 and heads back outside. He wants to warn Britt before leaving to bring the dog inside or let someone know so they can watch out for the injured pup. No more than 10 seconds later, Scott is back out on the front porch. Britt's nowhere to be seen. It's just the unknown male. Scott asks him where Britt was. He replied, she's not out here. Scott still delivers the warning. Let someone know before taking off so they can get the dog in. Scott returns back inside and heads upstairs. Ready to exchange notes? Here's what I have. I don't doubt that Britt in the car at Grandma's when the boys arrive. The three exit the vehicle. Colin and James get out the right side of the car. Neither one of them recall the man being out front or leaning against the hood. Just Scott. Colin says he goes inside and the first time he sees the male is when him and Brittany enter together. James is on the computer at this moment eating dinner. Around 15 minutes goes by, and Colin exits the sunroom. He then returns to sit next to Grandma, then relocates to the living room. James goes to refill his glass, and he sees the unknown male. 
heads upstairs and talks to Scott about the man downstairs. Scott confirms it's Britt's friend. It's important to know this part because this is confirmation that Scott has already interacted with this male, but doesn't realize he's now inside downstairs. Scott says it's Britt's friend and James heads back to the computer. Two key things. James says he remembers being outside with his dad when Scott mentions to the male not to leave without saying something. He also remembers going out to the barn to visit his dad after the male and Brittany left. I'm going to follow back up with Scott about this night because I'm wondering, what if Scott went to the barn first after exiting the vehicle, the boys head inside, and the unknown male isn't leaning against the car yet? Could it be that it's not until Scott heads inside from the barn that the male is now out front, explaining why he is the only one to see him while entering the house? I'm starting to think that it's at this time he's crossing paths with Brittany. He enters the house, begins to head upstairs, remembers the dog, and heads back out. Has the encounter with the male and returns inside. He vents to Grandma that Britt and the male are on one tonight, and how he can't find her. Scott continues upstairs. This explains how James is able to have the conversation with his dad after his own encounter with the mystery man. I'm going to speak with Grandma soon. Hopefully with her testimony, it'll make things clearer. Lastly, I want to play you a montage of clips of the boys describing the looks of this unknown male. And you, this guy was statue again. What would you describe him as? Bulky or stocky? Yeah, he was stocky. But he might have just looked like that too because of the... Jacket? Yeah. He was about my brother's height, I want to say, so about 5'6"-ish. Five, five maybe and he was stocky I remember that and did he have hoodie on do you remember what hairstyle he had do you, did he have a hat on did he I remember he had a hoodie with the hood up and do you remember the color of the hair uh, I want to say dark brown or black white male Hispanic black uh, white I remember him as white yeah I'm pretty sure I don't think he had a mustache. I know it was a, just a little patchy around upper lip and chin. If you were to guess his weight, how much do you think he'd weigh? 170. Do you remember seeing his hair? Like, did he have, I mean, did he have any hair up top? Yeah, it was a blondish color, blondish brown. Do you, do you have any idea how tall he would have been? I would have wanted to say he was probably my height, and I ain't very tall. I'm not very tall. James said when they were in the kitchen, the guy was standing in front of the, where the sliding glass doors are, just staring at into the kitchen. And James said he didn't have to look up at him. To, he was at right eye level with him. And James is just a few, maybe an inch or two taller than I am. He just says he remembers looking over at him, and, and he was he was about eye level with him because he didn't have to. And that's really all he said. She was with an unknown man in his 20s with short blonde hair and mutton chop sideburns. They, they weren't like mutton chops. Whoa, what the fuck? They were real thin. Do you, I mean, and, and are you pretty confident about that? Like, they were they were thin, not these... Yeah, they... Thick, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. They weren't thick. So we've been looking for a dude with mutton chops this whole time.
next time on Hide and Seek. Hi. Hey, is this Eric? I have one question. I have one. I have one question for you. Yeah. Who the fuck gave you my parents' address? It's my ex-wife. Did she rope you into this? Did she rope you into doing a podcast? I think podcasts are jokes. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hide and Seek. If you'd like to take a more active role in the Hide and Seek community, come interact with us. Share your thoughts, opinions, and theories in the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group. Find us by searching Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook.